Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is. It is NFL Combine Week, and we are going to be at the Combine to bring you everything and anything you need to know involving the Bengals and the future of the franchise. Welcome into a special Combine preview edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Mike Nizek and Andrew Gills here to kick off what I think will be an exciting and fun week for everyone. And uh, again, the Combine is going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of things to watch like we talked about Friday, some names, some position groups to look at. But before we kind of get back into the position groups, areas of importance, and even more players that we didn't talk about on this podcast already with our position reviews, I wanted to sort of start with the brains behind the operation who we don't talk about as often together, and that's Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach and director of player personnel, Duke Tobin, who he is going to be speaking at the Combine, one of the very few rare appearances he will speak in front of the media. Uh, so there will be no shortage of questions for him because it's going to be one of the few times we'll get to ask them. And Mike, I know you wrote about this, so I wanted to kind of get more of your thoughts on this. And Andrew, I wanted to get your perspective as well. But like, if you're talking... Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin, which we will be uh, respectively this week. You know, what are some questions you want to ask them? And how do you think this is going to be a different or even similar combine for them this year compared to maybe, say, last year, just to be more specific? Well, I mean, the combine is similar in the sense that they're drafting later. Um, yeah. Because you know, obviously they were successful again. But um, I, I think, and, and this one will be a lot different just based on kind of how free agency is structured with them, with having to uh, extend a bunch of guys. You know, in that story I wrote, I said, there's the Joe Burrow discussion, and then there's kind of everything else. <laughs> you know, I think at the top of everybody's mind, you know, Joe Burrow and extension talk uh, is number one. But I think there are another a, a number of other topics. Um, I think T. Higgins is at the top of that list. What do you do with him um, going into next season? If he doesn't get a contract extension, that could be a distraction. I think for all parties involved, how do they plan to kind of approach this? Um, do they think they can afford all three in terms of Burrow, uh, Higgins, and Chase? Um, and a couple other questions I, you know, had, had put up there. You know, Joe Mixon, aside from, you know, they're not going to say if they're going to cut him or whatever, but are they comfortable with what they learned of the situation in February with his, uh, um, you know, the arrest warrant that was eventually uh, rescinded? Um, you know, just how does the organization feel kind of moving forward with him if that's kind of how they go? Um, you know, one of the other ones was, are they done tinkering with the offensive line? Because I think offensive tackle could be a, a kind of a, a big need here in terms of, you know, what are they going to do with Jonah Williams? What are they going to do with Lael, Lael Collins? Um, so those are those are a couple, um, 
that that I put on that that list for this morning. Yeah, to to echo what Mike said, you know, I think obviously the Burrow conversation is is number one. That's that's the thing that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, I do think that there's a pretty strong chance you learn more about the T Higgins situation than you learn more about Burrow because you know even if you get a hey we hope to have a Burrow extension done by the start of the season or by the draft or by training camp, whatever it is. Um, I, I think that you kind of know that that's coming. Like you have an understanding that Burrow is going to get done. Higgins is a far interesting, far more interesting conversation to me because there's a shot that Duke Tobin, you know, betting on a non-answer from a GM is always a good bet, but there's a shot you get, Hey, we hope he's here long-term. We want him here long-term. And there's a shot you get. We want him here. We hope he's here long term. But there's salary cap constraints. Like, you can kind of read between the lines. So, you know, I think you're going to learn more about T. Higgins this week than you are about Joe Burrow. Because really, there's the only thing to learn about Joe Burrow is kind of when, not if. T. Higgins is if and when. Um, so, to me, that's that's a big deal. Uh, and, and then with the combine, you know, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said last week that he has 11 tight ends in the first three rounds. I'm curious how how that kind of impacts things, whether the Bengals look at that and say, you know, hey, we can get a starting tight end in rounds two and three. Or you say, all right, well, maybe everybody else is going to do that. We might have our pick of the litter at 28. We might be able to take whatever tight end we want. Um I think that's that's the uh, that's a big one, and then kind of the last thing I'll touch on. I, I'm very curious to hear about the injury situation for tackle because I understand that it's not you know really the 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 be all end all. You don't it's not a it's not a necessary thing, but you know the report with Jonah Williams was that he's not going to be ready until June, and with Leo Collins, who knows when he's going to be ready, healthy or healthy uh, and ready for the season. So you might have a situation where you're rolling into like one or two months of the off season without your left or your right tackle potentially. So I'm very curious to hear what their status is because if the Bengals seem confident that both of them are going to be ready and healthy and ready to go for training camp, then I think that could change your mind a little bit about maybe what they do at tackle. Maybe uh first round tackle goes out the, uh, out the window. You start to look at mid round guys, but if they're not confident in some of those guys, I think you can start to look at the early rounds and, uh, you know, to me, there's a lot to learn this week and, um, you know, in, in more than just the draft, but um, obviously it's, it's a pretty fascinating week either way. But I think at tackle, it goes beyond that because obviously Jonah Williams is playing out the last year of, of, of his rookie contract. Um, are they open to moving him to right tackle? Do they see him as left tackle long-term? Cause if, you know, they were to view him as a right tackle possibility, you know, like draft a left tackle. That would change what they would want to pay him. I think it, it makes a difference, you know, long term right now. They really don't have, uh, you know, an option to pass this year, essentially. You know, you're not going to keep Collins for next year. I mean, uh, in uh, 2024, I mean. So um, a bit tricky situation there. I think they've got to figure it out, um, you know, and, and kind of how they want to move forward. Well, I mean, to, to, to answer that point, though, couldn't you also make the argument that, like, I, I guess this is more philosophical kind of looking at this week. Couldn't you make the argument, though, I, I guess that, and this is something that we're obviously going to talk about after the combine as well, but couldn't you make the argument that the Bengals need impact players now just because of the contracts that are coming, you know, Burrow is going to get extended. You have certain guys that are going to get extended. Like, I think you could make a really strong case that, 
you know, if you're going to draft a tackle in round one, you can't be, you can't be doing the Dax Hill thing another year. Like I, I understand that that's kind of, um, you know, what good teams do, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the right course of action here. I think you might kind of look at this year and say, we need, we need seven players that are going to play offense, defense, or special teams. I think that that's a fair point too. So are you, well, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily meaning that they got to draft a t- uh, tackle. I think it means that they've got to do something at tackle. They've got, okay, so I see, okay, I see what you're saying. Through, yeah. through free agency, I mean, the draft's an option, certainly. But I actually agree with you because my last thing on that list was, is it time to make a splash? You know, this is a team yeah. that's historically um, been reluctant to trade up uh, and even more so in the first round. I think it's time to sort of abandon that a little bit and say, you know, if there's a guy in the top ten – that you feel like could make an impact, you're only a player or two away here, um, you know, from from that Super Bowl. And so I feel like um, I agree with you that they should not be drafting necessarily for the future. I mean, they're drafting for the future, but not for like the long term. You're you're yeah. you're looking for the biggest boost short term as you can get to try to win that Super Bowl. So you're saying, like, in your case, Andrew, with the question you pose, like, you want someone who could start tomorrow, not be a project that starts in 2024. Like, you need a dude who could play whatever reps you need, like, in week one if need be is what you're saying. Like, that's kind of what you were trying to ask. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, you know, you know, one of the guys that you hear a lot about in this year's draft is, is Anton Harrison, the right tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, you know, hey, you know, can he play uh, immediately? Well, he's really young, you know, only had three years in college. Like, you know, I wonder if you kind of look away and kind of veer away from those type of guys to say, you know what, like, look, we, we need somebody who is going to contribute right away because we need to maximize when T Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and, and all these guys are on rookie deals because they ain't going to be cheap forever. And that day, and I mean, that, that day when they are, you know, millionaires and uh, they're already millionaires, but you get what I'm saying. That day when they're going to be very, 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 very rich is coming rapidly. So I think you've got to maximize it. Like, I'm not sure uh, I would maximize it in the way that, you know, you, you pick four or five times because you're trading up to go get a guy that you want. Uh, I'm still, you know, a proponent of kind of moving back and taking as many kicks at the can as possible. But I think when you do get those kicks at the can, I'm saying, I think you take guys, who you know are going to contribute in 2023. That's really interesting. And that's, that's a very good question. And I think that's definitely something that you could even kind of ask either Zach Taylor, or Duke Tobin. And I think to, to kind of go back to what you said about the tight ends. Um, and like J- Daniel Jeremiah said on that conference call, like he said, this is the best tight end class he's seen in his recent memory, in his words. And of course the name everyone keeps talking about is Michael Mayer. You know, and we've all, we've talked about why he's at the top of the list. I'm interested to see, you know, what does Duke Tobin think of him? You know, what do they think of his skill set? Obviously, he doesn't have elite athleticism, but what do they like elsewhere that makes him the, the top favorite at tight end? Um, I'd also kind of like to know, you know, maybe like just based on their history of drafting first-round tight ends all the way back to Jermaine Gresham and even drafting kind of in that round two, three tier with Drew Sample, like, you know, where, where do they kind of feel with that position? Like, you know, what do they think? And, of course, it's – all contingent on like free agency with the Hayden Hurst situation in the O line, but I definitely do want to kind of kind of pick more at the O not the O line. I'm sorry, the tight end room and kind of get their thoughts on that. But it's so funny that you say Joe Burrow because it's like the guy is always dominating the conversation, even when he's not around. But yeah, that's gonna be I think the main topic. And then, well, I guess you could say the most brought up topic. But like you said, Andrew, you're gonna hear more about T Higgins being discussed because 
you know Burrow's not going anywhere. Higgins is more of a toss-up. Kind of, you know, moving to the rest of the board and the position rankings, I wanted to kind of pick your all's brain on this, and I wanted to get some of our subscribers involved. So you talk about different areas of concern, offensive line, tight end, cornerback. You know, you could even say defensive tackle. For you guys, as far as like the first four rounds, or I guess not even just the first four rounds, let me rephrase that. What are the four main areas slash position groups the Bengals need to focus on? And in what order from most to least important should they focus on in this draft? So whether it's O-line, D-tackle, running back, tight end, or however you order it, what would you guys say your order is for priorities? We'll stick crack at it. Well, I did this the other day, uh, so I was pulling it up on my phone uh, in our group text. Um, I, you know, I still think offensive tackles number one um, because I I have questions about kind of the immediacy of that position. Obviously, there's long term questions, uh, but I, I do also have questions about kind of what that position looks like in 2023. Um, so that's number one. Um, and obviously I want to preface this by saying this is before you sign anybody. Um, because I think, I mean, the Bengals could re-sign Mitchell Wilcox and Hayden Hurst. And I don't think at that point you're, I don't know if you're taking a tight end in in round one. Um, but second for me is tight end. Uh, you, you kind of have a blank slate there. It's, it's pretty clean in terms of, uh, the kind of guys that you, you're looking for. Uh, third is corner. You can never have enough corners in this league. Uh, especially when one of them's coming off an ACL injury, you're losing some, or you you might be losing some depth in terms of of guys that are playing. So corner is up there, and then uh, fourth is linebacker. Um, you, you, it sounds like Jermaine Pratt. I mean, if you saw his tweet, sounds like he's gone. Uh, looks like he's gone. That that to me is a uh, is an interesting position. I think you know we talked about positional value, but uh, I think that that is uh, that is something that's interesting too. Notice I didn't add running back. I, I think you can kind of get by with a late guy or, you know, keeping Mixon and P. Ryan and adding a sixth-round guy. I think that there's there's workarounds there. I, I would kind of look for, for other positions before you get into running back. Yeah, my list is a little different. I mean, I got offensive tackle first just because I, I, I think that, you know, it's a kind of a short-term, long-term thing combined, right? They got to figure out what direction they're going to go in with Jonah Williams. Um, I, I think Leal Khan's. Um, you know, both of them were uneven last year, but Collins, you know, obviously had a day off of practice each week. I think that, um, wasn't something that, you know, they, they accommodated them, but I don't think that's something that they love. I think they, this team very, very much values practice. So I think they need to figure out kind of a direction there. The, my, the rest of my list is running back, tight end, defensive line. I think running back, they could, um, I, I I thought it was you know Zach Taylor was very happy with the room or publicly said that you know that they were happy with the production. I thought that didn't pass the eye test at, at times, um, and I really think for defensive line that they could use another uh, impact pass rusher. I've said that on the podcast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know their starting four were good, um, but uh, uneven at times, um, and I think they could use a guy that could get the quarterback. Uh, you know, especially. I was going back and watching uh, what Duke Tobin said last year, and he talked about the value of getting to the quarterback with just rushing four, um, and, and it felt like t- at times they couldn't do that this season. That's Those are very interesting rankings. Mine is somewhere kind of in between what you guys said. Um, where I have a common thing with both of you guys is I have offensive tackle as number one. I mean, we just talked about it. 
minutes ago. We've talked about it, I mean, countless times, you know, on this podcast since the regular season ended. And I mean, really, even during the season when Lyle Collins got hurt. And like Andrew said, I don't think you want to get a project. Like, I know I had Anton Harrison as my first round pick in my latest mock draft. I know Mike did too. And now that I kind of think about what Andrew said, I wonder if maybe, and of course it comes down to who's available and if, you know, the Bengals get a little shysty and, you know, trade up and maybe try to get one of those other tackles up top, like a Peter Skaronsky, for example. That's a big name to watch. I don't know. This is completely, you know, I can't even talk today. It's been a long week. Completely pure speculation. As just an example, but Either way, you got to put offensive tackle at one. I have running back as the second most important one. I don't know. Again, like we've talked about Joe Mixon. I don't know that he's going to be back. And even if he is, like what if you don't keep Samaj P. Ryan? What if you don't keep a Trey Williams? I think even if you keep Joe Mixon, you still want to get one of those, you know, running backs you can in the, you know, second round at least because even if Mixon's back this year, how much longer is he back? I mean, who knows? He only has two years left on his deal through 2024. So it's not like he's going to be around forever. You can keep him for another year. So maybe that's where you can sort of get a project. If you think you want to give Mixon one more year and build a guy behind him, uh, then I would say cornerback. Uh, and I really talked about this in my mock draft. I like Keely Ringo. I like uh, Ricks from Alabama. I think there's some good guys in that, you know, second, third round tier if they're still available. And then just like Andrew, uh, for the fourth one, I had linebacker. Uh, and to actually go back to the tweet that you referenced, Andrew, about Jermaine Pratt, he said, this was on Sunday afternoon, I'm reading this, he said, imagine if I played third down all year, laughing emoji, laughing emoji, I would have went crazy, blood drop, which he always puts that at the end of his tweets. I always wanted to ask him why, but I never did. But yeah, I think that kind of gave it away of like, oh, imagine if I did this. He also said before that, take a moment to realize where you are at and where you're trying to go. Strive for greatness. Maybe he thinks greatness is not in Cincinnati. So yeah, we've talked about Ivan Pace. That's a guy I think you can get um, at that point in the draft if you can, being a hometown kid from Cincinnati, um, among many other names. But I think those are all, you know, I, I don't think either one is really completely wrong. I think those are all good rankings. I mean, we all agree with the offensive tackle. Um, we talked about the running back situation. I think there's some common thread there. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about certain names, certain guys in these position groups who have a chance to elevate themselves at the combine and why that's the case. Plus, we talk a little free agency fun and some entertainment with that. Much, much more to come right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislick. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. 
It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give it you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked about some of the biggest questions, headlines, position areas uh, for people to have their eyes on for the Bengals going into this combine. We've talked about a lot of names, and you can never talk about enough names because there's a reason why there's hundreds of picks in this draft. But, you know, with those position area groups we talked about, you know, offensive tackle, running back, linebacker, corner, tight end, you know, that the Bengals need to prioritize in this draft, as far as the combine this week, do you think there's some guys who are maybe in that, like, you know, day two, day three, you know, kind of pool who if they have a good combine, like specific guys, or if they break out this week, they could maybe push ahead to that day one, day two range. And where do you think that fits for the Bengals? Um, I, I'm curious what Jameer Gibbs does. Um, the running back out of Alabama. It's a good one. Um, obviously, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of comps to Alvin Kamara. Um, I, I think that that's kind of – that's a name to watch because, it, you know, there's – it's very funny seeing the debates about Bijan Robinson because he's the undisputed number one of uh, running back of this class and nobody's really going to debate that. Um, but I think Jameer – like, Bijan's kind of an interesting case study because he's so good that he kind of breaks the notion of first-round running backs and stuff like that. But I think Jameer Gibbs, if he has a nice combine – uh, I think he can kind of start to make a good impression on teams and start to move kind of into that uh, into that little, uh, you know, late first, early second territory. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Cody Mock, uh, the offensive tackle out of North Dakota State. Um, anytime you're dealing with a guy who's playing at an FCS level, uh, you know, that's somebody who you, you want to see how they test and kind of how they compare to their peers. And, uh, you know, I, you're not really going to have a lot of questions about North Dakota State offensive linemen. Um, the Bengals certainly liked what they got out of Cordell Volson. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there's a few guys that you can start to see, you know, the, the smaller school guys are what you look towards, um, you know, guys who might pop off the page athletically. Um, you know, I've mentioned him before, Devin A, uh, Devin A Chain, you, you look at him. There, there's a few guys who might run blazing 40s or things like that where you can really start to say, okay, wow, that's that's something. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always it's always a fun week to try and to kind of guess who's uh, who's going to make that next leap. Well, I think, you know, th- this might not fit your question, but in terms of like the tight end class, we've talked a lot about it. Like if Mayer and uh, Mus- uh, Musgrove, Musgrave, um, Musgrave mm-hmm. um, leap out and are test athletically freakishly like they could move out of the Bengals 
range in that first round um, and easily, I think. And that could change kind of the dynamic, you know, you know, if they were on the fence about Hayden Hurst, they might say, well, this might be the best way to do it and then kind of change their draft course. I, I think them, if they kind of blow up in the combine um, and Musgrave kind of is that type of freakish athlete uh, with just his size combined with athleticism um, and Mayer looks smooth sort of in the passing routes and everything like that, runs a fast 40, um, we could be probably talking about this draft differently because, you know, number 28 is pretty late in that first round and they could easily be gone. And then I think you're talking – I mean, you really. Will, I, I think, I think the reunion with Hayden Hurst makes all the sense in the world without you know thinking of that. But if you can't get those top two, I think it really does, and sort of maybe forces you to go to a different um, position there. No, that does make a lot of sense, actually. I mean, the way you frame that makes sense because, like, you know, there's already a question of like, will those guys, especially Mayer, be in the Bengals' range? And then what happens if Musgrave is so good that he moves up, you know, out of that round two into the kind of round one tier, which the Bengals may not be able to get to him. I don't know, unless they want to like trade off, obviously, and depending on what happens with Hayden Hurst. That's a very good point, Mike. I think actually to kind of follow up on your point, and this is a name that comes to mind with tight ends, I don't think I've talked about him. I don't think we've brought him up, but Davis Allen, a tight end out of Clemson, I was looking through Daniel Jeremiah's prospects because, like we said, he loves the tight ends in this class. Uh, Davis Allen is, like, right there in his top 50 at the number 50 cutoff. He kind of describes him as a, quote, tall, rangy tight end with a big catch radius. You know, what if he's kind of like Musgrave and Mayer where he has a really good combine and maybe he goes from that top 50 to maybe top 40, top 30? You know, does that kind of change course for the Bengals' priority? Do you really just say, okay, maybe – don't worry about getting a mayor or a Musgrave. Maybe get this guy in the second round if he moves up higher in the second round by chance. This is assuming, of course, if he really uh, goes off in the combine. I think you could say the same about Maisie Smith, uh, who is one of the better defensive tackles in the draft. And I say that because even though I didn't mention defensive tackle as an area of concern, I think it's something they can prioritize later in the draft. Because like, I think we talked about it last week on the combine on the combine-ish kind of conversation on the podcast, you know, you're going to have to plan possibly for a future without DJ Reader and or BJ Hill. So maybe if this dude is the real deal and you want to try to prioritize him over maybe cornerbacker, linebacker, or any other, you know, defensive tackle who performs similarly to him, maybe you go for D tackle a little bit earlier in the draft. And again, this is all contingent on what happens and what doesn't happen. But, I wanted to pivot back to free agency real quick because I wanted to get your all's thoughts on something that I think is very interesting but very weird at the same time. So Taylor Lewan, I should say former Titans tackle because the Titans released him last week to make cap space, saved over $14 million, which is a lot of money. Um, he has his own podcast called Bussin' with the Boys through Barstool Sports with Will Compton. And they were talking about his future, where he thinks he's going to end up if the Bengals or I'm sorry, if the Titans maybe restructure his deal and bring him back for cheap. And he said like about two or three times, the Bengals need a tackle. Said it with kind of a skittish, kind of coy look. And I mean, we've talked about it. The Bengals do need a tackle. How they get it, we don't know. But is this guy on to something or is he just uh, willfully optimistic? I just don't see a fit i don't either um, i mean what do you like if you're if you're the bengals you're looking at offensive tackle right like what what do you want out of your offensive tackle of the of the person that you're going to bring in you know i said you probably need somebody for 2023 but let's say the bengals are super optimistic about Lael collins uh in 2023 and jonah williams 
you still need somebody long term. Uh, Taylor Lewan is going to be 32 years old in July. Yeah, uh, he's played 20 games total in the last three seasons. That that's not a guy you want to invest in. Um, you know, he's the guy you invest in if you swing and miss on everybody in free agency and need a swing tackle to play backup for one year. I, I just don't see a fit there. Um, you know, I think Luan can find us, uh, find a job where, you know, he'll compete for a number one right tackle or left tackle spot. I just don't see that happening in Cincinnati. I don't think that's a fit. Nope. Well, he's missed two out of the last three years with injuries too. He went down with a knee yeah, injury last year. Yeah, he played two games in 2022 and uh, five, five in I think, yeah. So, I mean, that's not what you want. Um, you know, he him question. You know, they do have two tackles. Him questioning that they don't is not a good good way to start uh, in in uh, ingratiating himself with the rest of the offensive line. I, yeah, I just don't like Andrew. I just don't. I, I don't see a fit. Um, you're, I mean, you're out there probably. You know, you're not going to be able to spend that much money. He's probably going to want a, a decent amount of salary. Um, it doesn't really help you long term, like he said, and. You know, what are you getting short term with with that recent injury history? Um, I I don't know if that there's much of a fit there. I think the guy I don't know if he's just being sarcastic and he's like, oh, I want to block for Joe Burrow because like who doesn't want to block for Joe Burrow, right? But I mean, like you got to understand, there's a reason why he was the highest paid offensive tackle in NFL history at one point until Trent Williams got his big deal not long ago. But I mean. That was like, what, 2015, 2016? He's way out of his prime. I mean, he may retire. He even hinted at retiring, like, before he knew Tennessee was going to release him. So I would be like, if somehow, like, we are all wrong and, like, the Bengals come to some deal with him, I would just, like, look at you guys and be like, do we live in an alternate universe? But I don't think it's going to happen because we live on planet Earth. But speaking of planet Earth and crazy alternate universes, I got to end with the most pressing question I wanted to ask you guys all podcast. Have you all seen the trailer for the Cocaine Bear movie that came out this past weekend? Yes. Seen it. So you saw the movie um, or you saw the trailer? The trailer. Can't say I'm interested in seeing it. You're not? Really? No, dude, no, absolutely. But not. I watched the movie. So I'm not a big movie. movie per- I'm not Sunday. a big movie person. I'm not a big movie person in oh, general. Okay, okay. Um, really? Like it's it's not that I dislike movies. It's just that like I I don't make time for them. <laughs> um, like I like like if I'm sitting there on a on a Wednesday night and here perfect okay. example was it Saturday night. Um, the Celtics were playing the 76ers instead of like, I'm not going to watch it. I would rather much rather watch that than watch a movie. So I'm not a big movie person in general. And as soon as I saw cocaine bear, I went, wow, that looks pretty dumb. Oh, uh, come on. Don't know if I'm going to see that. Mike, have you thought about it? I don't know. Are you a big movie guy? First of all, like, do you do movies? I know you do video games. Oh uh, yeah. I do movies. Uh, yeah. I think it looks good. Um, Thank you. I, I get the joke. So the funny thing about I'd much it, rather watch that than a regular season NBA game. Jeez. That's what I was about to say. Like, okay, if it's a, I don't know, man. That was a really good regular season. It NBA was game. like that was a really damn good. It's game. one game though. Like what? The NBA season's eighty-two games. You got 82, 81 other games you could watch. But I'm gonna just tell y'all, and this is without spoiling it. And for the people listening, I don't want to spoil it either. That, without a doubt, is one of the best movies I've seen. I saw it on Sunday with a good friend of mine. Ever. 
I don't know about ever. That's a stretch, but it's one of the best movies I've seen in recent memory. Because like I've seen a couple movies in the Ooh. last two years, and that's one of the best ones I've seen in the last couple years. I mean, look, it's weird to think of a bear eating cocaine that fell out of the sky, but you guys know it's loosely based on a true story, right? There was an actual bear. No, bear died no, like immediately. So the bear in real life actually died. It was a bear in a forest in Tennessee. He ate cocaine that fell out of a drug plane, and he died. Like, because of course anybody or even an animal that eats it's gonna die. But the script writers had fun with it and basically turned this guy into like a, a cocaine head, like a drug addicted cocaine bear who just like literally throughout the movie is just trying to run around finding cocaine. Which again, it sounds weird. I know it is, but like when you watch the movie, it actually looks like. It's not real, but you would think it's realistic. And and there's a really good storyline to it, which I'm not going to spoil, but the storyline is what really, I think, hooked me in. And that's like with any good movie. But yeah, it is weird. I understand where you're coming the from, Andrew. The story but... that he takes the cocaine, is, that's the story. What? The bear takes the cocaine. That's the storyline. Well, there's another story to that, but I don't want to like, give it away. There, there's more to that. I just don't want to spoil it. I want people to watch it and find out what the actual adventure within that is. There, there's an adventure with all those characters in the trailer, and I just don't want to give away what the adventure is because it's actually really good. And the ending is like, I'd say not 10 out of 10, but it's like 8.5 out of 10. It's a really 8.5 out of 10 ending. It was also very funny. Like for a movie that's got a lot of like stuff like that with like bears and clawing people to death, it was actually very funny. As weird as it is to say, like, it was actually more funny than scary. So if you're scared, I wouldn't be. It'll actually make you laugh more than you'll freak out. So fear not. The cocaine bear won't come after you. <laughs> but it's funny because the, the actual taxidermy of the bear is in my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. It's at a museum. So I've seen the taxidermy, and I'm just like, wow, this thing actually existed. So it was so weird watching it in the movie from my perspective. But we got to talk more about movies on this podcast, Andrew. I, I need to get you into the movies, man. We got we to gotta change that. Right, Mike? Well, we're, we got draft yeah. season, and then once the draft is over, we got like two months of everybody's on vacation anyway. Sure. So why not? Yeah, maybe once Ramadan ends for me at the end of uh, – middle of April before the draft, I'll have to get you on now, but – we shall see. But, folks, stay with us. We are going to be in Indy for the rest of the week, at least through Friday. We're going to have everything you need to know about what Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin have to say. I think it's going to be a really interesting combine to look at those position groups, elevate like we talked about. But stay tuned with us. We'll have everything you need. And make sure, like we said on the ad, you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. We'll give you updates before anyone or anything else on Twitter or even the web. So make sure you sign up. It's a 14-day free trial. Once again, for myself, Mike and Isaac and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Amon. We'll see you in India.